Good afternoon, everyone, or morning, if you're listening to this in the morning. Welcome to the A Better Way to a Podcast. We are your hosts, Jordan and Andrew, and today we have Tyler from Dark Winter Concepts here. Thank you for joining us, Tyler. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It's, uh, it's, it's an honor to be on a podcast that I've been listening to for so long now. Oh, I didn't realize geez. you listened to this. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, sick. That's even better now. Now I feel like we're all hanging out and just yeah. shooting the gab, you know? I'm like aware that people listen to the podcast, but then when I actually talk to someone who listens to the podcast, they get all bashful. I'm like, no, don't witness me. <laughs> don't perceive me. Ah. I feel the same way. I don't totally exist. understand that. <laughs> We've been meaning to have you on for a while. I think you and I have talked about it a few times and then, you know, just me being me, my ADHD ass having self just kind of uh, continued on with our lives. But uh, But this is a good time to do it. You know, Abs- new brand, absolutely, yeah. New brand, new me. New, you know, same Instagram page, new brand, same community, cool. same dude. So dark winter same concepts. Me, just, I want to know. Same what? So yeah, just same me, same uh, uh, trajectory on the way forward, but yeah, under a new banner. I was so nervous when you were talking about like big news coming and that there was like big changes because whenever somebody says that, it's like okay, either. Either they're dropping what they're doing entirely and going in a completely different direction or, like, they're going to come out and say, you know, they're done. And I was super bummed because I uh, I love your content. I love the stuff that you talk about. So I'm really Thank pa- you. pumped you're still here. And uh, Dark Winter Concepts, tell us a little bit about that. Where did you come up with that name? And, uh, like, what do you think it means to you? What does it mean to you? I watched the video. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so this is a deep tie back to a, uh, a government operation or uh, a simulation that was run back in 2001. And it's something that some people will probably recognize because it is also kind of the like the starting point for the video game, uh, The Division, which bases off of that simulation, which is essentially the United States government in partnership with I think Johns Hopkins uh, simulated how could our nation and the government respond to like a simulated uh, uh, say it was like smallpox attack in Oklahoma City, like starting there. And as is predicted, it all went to shit really fast. <laughs> they were, I mean, just completely fell short of every metric, like mean things like healthcare system, unable to scale to meet the need, which we saw 20 years later, that was still the case. And so this was really a thing that's interested me for a long time is that, you know, with ourselves as individuals and as members of a community, it's kind of up to us to bridge the gap for, you know, whenever people need help and, you know, when help's needed in minutes, not hours or days or weeks, depending on when the government's going to respond to help. You know, it's super important that, you know, we are aware of the tools that we have at our disposal to help each other. I mean, you see this when, you know, there's hurricanes down south, you know, people flooding from all over, driving down from, you know, Ohio or Kentucky or whatever, bringing their boats, bringing their chainsaws and helping people out. And it's just, you know, wanting that to be a more widespread thing. I mean, especially around here where West Virginia, you know, so much flooding next door in Kentucky and Tennessee and crazy tornadoes even just this past week. You know, it's really just, it's kind of a... I think that simulation for me was kind of a wake-up call when you look at it from the perspective of that happened in 2001. And then, obviously, we had a different viral incident in 2020 moving on after that and seeing that, like, we learned nothing. Like, healthcare systems yeah. still couldn't scale to respond. Government uh, response to it didn't take it seriously, which, I mean, can get into reasons why that might have been the case, but also just in general, 
Like it took, I mean, how many tens, hundreds of thousands of people had to get incredibly ill before we got any kind of response. And so it's looking at stuff like that where, you know, communities can kind of take their response into their own hands a little bit. And I'm also, uh, Jordan, I'm very ADHD. I'm someone who collects <laughs> hobbies and skills and information yes. just for the purpose of collecting hobbies and skills and information. And so, I mean, I have, I just have a lot of stuff that I've collected. I have a lot of stuff that I know enough about to find out more information about. So I'm good at digging up topics that interest me. And this is, I mean, has been my hyper focus for multiple years now. So I know I'm not going to get tired of it. And so, yeah, it's something that, you know, I'm really excited to dedicate more time to, uh, and create higher quality content than just like posting about what I'm doing out here on our property, but, you know, wanting to generate more stuff that people can take and use in their own communities. And ideally, and kind of, I guess, pulling on would be like the Green Beret type thing where, I mean, biggest dream would be to train other people who can train other people, you know, like it sort of doesn't all have to come through me, come back to me, like just better preparing people to better prepare their own communities is the ultimate goal. I'm going to quote that meme right here and say, guys, will see this and say, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Goes, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the dream, though, is like a self-reinforcing, uh, self-perpetuating, you know, community. I mean, that's I mean, yeah. that's basically society, isn't it? Right? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's what we're talking about is that, you know, like the breakdown of one society, the rise of another and just being ready for that. Right. Because, yeah, you don't want to be one of those people that uh suddenly finds himself in the dark and has no resources has no knowledge and is basically it's like you could get lucky and find somebody like dark winter concepts uh or you could get unlucky and find yourself press ganged into like a raiding squad or something i don't know yeah like this you is know, the only reason yeah. way that i have to survive is or, or more <laughs> realistically you know there's that old there's that old story i tell a story a lot of the uh it's this it was a story about this guy he he wrote it about his own experience with like a a week long he got snowed in his neighborhood for like a week and he was like a light prepper not a major like over-the-top prepper but like he had like emergency rations he had a generator he had you know he had supplies right so um big freak winter storm hit i can't remember what year this was but it cut off his rural, it was like a rural suburban-ish neighborhood, and it was cut off. Uh, nobody in or out, uh, no power, nothing for like a week. And, you know, emergency services are like, we're on the way, we're trying to clear the roads, we're trying to help you guys out, sit tight. And his neighbors, one by one, came to his house because he had been talking about his food supplies. And they were like, hey, we're getting a little freaked out, we're short on food we don't want to go hungry. And he's like, I'm sorry, guys, I only have enough for my family. And then, you know, as the week went on, you know, they got a little more insistent. They're like, we're, you know, if we go hungry, we're really going to need some of your food. And, you know, this guy was not a gun owner or anything. So he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do if this isn't resolved. And like, they just come and try to take everything from me, from my kids, my family. And luckily, you know, it ended up not being, too much of an issue because uh, services were restored, uh, the snow melted, but everybody in the neighborhood remembered that he didn't share because he couldn't share, <laughs> you know, for whatever reason, whatever his personal reasons, but, you know, he didn't share because he didn't have enough and um, nobody looked at him the same way and he ended up moving out of that neighborhood because he couldn't, like, be around his neighbors anymore after that experience. And so now yeah. he doesn't tie, and now he still preps and he preps a little more, but he doesn't talk about it with anybody anymore. 
And yeah, so like that's that, a real shame too because uh, it's like there was a TikTok that I saw just a couple of days ago where this guy was going into his dad's house and his dad isn't like a prepper, but he's I mean he, he's kind of like an old-fashioned homesteader. They like their garage is like floor to ceiling, canned food, fridges, and, like chest freezers packed full. And he asked the dad like, like, do you think the apocalypse is coming? Blah blah blah. He's like, have you ever been in a blizzard? For that situation, yeah. Where, like, yeah, like, like this isn't to feed me. This is to feed the neighborhood. Like he yeah. just had enough yeah. food on hand for that situation specifically, right. and it's like, like, guess <laughs> that's the that's motivation awesome. right there. Like having the skills and the resources. If you have the means to have the resources, obviously yeah. there is a budget to consider here, and some people just don't have those means. But for yeah. those who do, it's kind of on us to make sure that we do have enough to either one take the load off of any support that is coming in like like we're good make sure this gets to who it needs to get to but then also so that when people are going hungry you have stuff you can share right for sure that's something that you know i think a lot of people romanticize uh who have never like fully sat down and thought about what would happen in a true emergency situation i think a lot of people have this thought that you know they're going to be an island and they have to prioritize compound security or whatever over you know yeah. have enough for their family but you, unless you know everything unless you're a doctor an electrician and a vet you know uh, a plumber all that stuff you're going to need help from other people and having things to help those people is going to be a great way uh, for them to reciprocate you know because everybody needs something not everybody is going to be prepared for everything so you know, surviving as a community is going to be significantly yeah. easier than trying oh, to yeah. survive by yourself. And then, you know, the lessons but, of that story are, are, are manifold, right? Because really, manifold both like sides the of that, part of an exhaust. No, like, like, uh, like there's a, like there's a lot of lessons. There's like layered lessons there. Okay. Right. So both sides of that story were essentially unprepared. He was prepared to feed his family, but he wasn't prepared for what was going to happen when his neighbors wanted some food. Right. And so it's like, okay, you could say, Oh, I want to. Uh, I need what I need to protect my food. Well, you can't run security twenty four seven with just a nuclear family. Also, do you really want to set yourself up as like you versus your neighborhood? Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, you could say I want to have enough to feed my neighbors, but do you really want to be in a situation where you've got a whole bunch of people just sitting around eating what you made and like that's it? Wouldn't it be so much better to before anything bad happen, go to your neighbors and say like, hey, I've got these supplies. If anything happens, you're welcome to it. You know, I can also now teach you how to make something I can or you can teach me something right. Like, like, let's figure out, you know, how we can play to our strengths in a situation like that so that it's not just a bunch of people knocking on your door asking for something. It's like, you know, hey, wow, the worst has happened let's initiate this plan we made. Yeah. 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 And really, uh, like, I think that plays into to two things that somehow go together, but it's this new, like, fetish, fetishization of homesteading, which is centered purely around escapism and isolationism. Like, it's this idea of, like, me and my family are going out here, we're going to get away from this modern society that challenges her values or whatever, and we're just going to be, like you said, like we're just going to be like that bastion of our little fortress while also tying that into like the perception of prepping being for that huge event where like, oh, like there's no return back to normalcy. Like I, I don't have to worry about how I treat my neighbors because we're not going to go back to being a neighborhood as opposed to, you know, planning for like, hey, 
getting to know your neighbors, first of all, like getting to know who else has food, who else has skills, just like getting to know like when something happens, like how do we all work together with this? But then also, you know, just, oh, excuse me, you know, just the uh, getting away from that mentality that is so pervasive right now in, in both those communities, whether it's on social media or wherever, where it's all, it's just so self-centered. You know, it just has to be, you know, you have to look your neighbor in the, in the eye a week later, you know, make sure that you're ready to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I watched this movie last night on Netflix called uh, Leave the World Behind. It's with that? Oh, Kevin Bacon and uh, Julie Roberts and stuff. Dude, and, that's Ethan Hawke, is it? Is that really Ethan, Kevin Bacon? There's also Ethan Hawke. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, man, what are you talking about? So Kevin Bacon plays like a pre- the prepper in the movie. Oh, and, um, <laughs> he wasn't in the trailer I saw. He, yeah, I didn't realize he was in it either. I was like, did these guys just fuck up and call Ethan Hawke Kevin Bacon? I mean, we all love Kevin Bacon, but <laughs> oops, all um, Kevin Bacon, all Kevin Bacon. Um, but I just looked up like Google Trends, so it came out. The movie came out on November twenty third, and or twenty second. And on November twenty third, the word prepping was trending on Google like four times as high as it had been uh, the month prior, like the weeks and days and months prior. And if you watch the movie, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but. Uh, if you watch the movie, it definitely makes you think, w- how ready am I for something? And, like, am I that useless guy? <laughs> because there's there's a part in the movie where uh, one of the families needs something and they don't have that. And they have to go to this prepping guy. And the prepping guy is essentially like, get the fuck off my property. Like... Where I'm happy to have a conversation with you, but like, no, this is for my family, and they end up having to barter for it and all that stuff. But it's uh, it's a very tense couple moments up until that point, and uh, it really makes you think. And I'm no shit why people are going to Google and you know looking at stuff that they need to prepare for. But what I love is that you've got an, a take on this stuff on your site, and it's not so much like doom and gloom. Hey, the world is ending. Yeah. Uh, your site, your Instagram. It's very much, I mean, it goes in, in ties in with that kind of stuff. Like it would help you also. But first of all, got to say, Subi gang, the picture on <laughs> your things to upgrade for your car and things to keep in your car is a Subaru Outback. And when I saw that, I was like, Subi gang, rise up. <laughs> but you've got a whole, like a, a, a litany of different things, like um, nine books to consider before upgrading your rifle again. Uh, like nine packs to consider before, or containers to consider before upgrading your rifle again. You've got nine, this is, I love stuff like this, nine digital tools to empower you and your community. Things like that you don't think about as from like a preparedness standpoint, but when people are trying to get things done, you know, like through their community, and even if we're not in a shit hits the fan end of the world scenario, things that just will make your lives easier. And I really like that. Absolutely. Did you, did you kind of have like uh, like a thought going into it where you were gonna kind of make it? I feel positive when I read your stuff. Is what I'm saying. I don't feel like oh fuck. Like I don't get this anxious feeling. Like oh my god, we're all right. gonna die if I don't do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> did you have? Was that intentional or were you just? Okay, I'm gonna share my thoughts on this and I hope people like it. Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, there's definitely like we went through the stages of like, you know, 
really getting into prepping and kind of like diving in and like buying, you know, canned food and like getting like a ledger for our pantry and like, you know, keeping track of expiration dates. And like we went like really heavy into a lot of the things and like realized that like it's not sustainable. And it's also not something that I would ever feel good recommending to people because, yeah, I mean, from a, a budget standpoint, when you think about prepping, most people who need it can't go out and spend you know, $5,000 to just like buy the prep, right? Like they can't just go out and buy right. all these tools, all this food, all this stuff in a single go. And so it's really comes down to like, you know, Hey, I mean, this, uh, firearm behind me, I don't want to call it, uh, anything other than that. I mean, I just got a new like, like trigger and optic for that in because it was something that I really wanted to have, but it's also something like if I didn't also have say, books that teach me skills and things like that to learn if I didn't already have food stored for a while, like maybe instead of getting that extra thing, I need to make sure that I have this other stuff in reserve first. And so wanting to approach it from a, I mean, really to keep it approachable, that's really the biggest thing is that like prepping can be really overwhelming, especially, I mean, for a lot of folks in our community who are, you know, uh, uh, neurodivergent or just either like, you know, autistic ADHD like suffered trauma there's a lot of anxiety around I mean for a lot of people just the day-to-day you know just dealing with the world (laughs) is pretty uh, anxiety (laughs) inducing and so like for me it's really down to like here's a couple of simple things that like if you have money to spend that you're going to spend on something like maybe consider having some of these things that can alleviate a bad situation and not looking at it from like a you know oh, you need to get ready for, you know, your battle kit and all this other stuff because, like, right. you're way more likely to, for, like, your battery to die because it's cold and you parked in a parking lot at work for eight hours than it is to have to fight your way home, you know? Yeah. And that's where it always goes, and like, like, you know, I, I talk about, like, these extreme situations with the understanding that, like, it is an extreme theoretical situation um, and it's really good to have pages like yours that point out, like, you no, know, there are mundane problems that you're going to want to prep for before you think about stuff like this, that you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck, like buying a book that teaches you how to can food than you are buying uh, a whole cellar full of prepared food that's going to go bad in 10 years. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And so that's really like, I, I think is the most important thing about prepping or kind of that mentality in general is it needs to kind of naturally play into your life or you might have to adjust your life a little bit, but like prepping isn't something that you buy and put in a bin in the closet, you know? So like, like things like learning how to just like preserve and grow food, like that's just part of our yearly routine now. And you know, we cycle through that food, like we do eat it. We're not just canning and putting it away for a bad day, but I mean, all that sort of stuff, like whenever something bad does happen here, I mean, a couple of years ago we had really bad ice storms and like, power out for I want to say five days just completely locked down everything was coated in like a half inch of ice I mean we run our wood stoves in the winter anyways and so it wasn't a huge change in our life other than like I can't work bummer like (laughs) I have to take a couple of days off work oh no and just like sit around the wood stove with a book for a couple of days like cool Uh, that's wearing out just wanting whenever bad things happen that you don't have to completely upend your life to just get by, you know, you don't have to completely change everything about how you go about your day just to like, you know, stay warm or just to get food. You know, those little things that can just 
be a part of your daily routine. And so it's natural for you. It's not a skill that you practiced once. I mean, similar to, to learning to shoot, right? Like you don't go to a class once and then just not practice again for a year. Yeah, I think gotta, a lot of people do that upkeep. because they feel like, okay, oh, now yeah. I'm good. Now I'm prepared. But yeah, that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah. It's maintaining that, that proficiency to where, you know, whenever something bad happens, I mean, you're able to avoid the worst thing, which is panic. Like power goes out, like we know, like, oh, we have a battery backup for the fridge. It lasts for like two and a half days. We have years worth of, of firewood cut. Yeah. We're going to stay warm. We can cook on top of the wood stove if we need to. Like we're good now. Like let's go check on our neighbor. Like we have yeah, an elderly couple next door. I mean, they're they've been out here for like seventy years. Like they're good, but you know, it's still <laughs> go over and check on them. Make sure they're all right. Some of our other neighbors, you know, whenever you hear like the generators kick on and then like shut yeah. off, you're like, like let's go make sure that they're good. But just getting ourselves in order, swear like it's a really quick transition to where then we can kind of just go about a day, and it's not you know. Yeah every minute just trying to get by i remember you know you you talk about firewood a lot of people don't think about firewood a lot of people in the city with electric or gas heat they don't think about firewood uh might not even have a fireplace but i live in the city i I live in the suburbs but we were out of we were on a vacation during the big snow apocalypse in texas the big winter storm that crushed and we had been clearing our our lot of like you know, dead and dying oak trees and mesquite trees for years. And we have all this, we had all this wood piled up and we weren't here. So we weren't, and oh, we didn't even have a fireplace at the time. Our fireplace, we had, you know, removed it because it was uh, built poorly, you know? So, so we have all this firewood piled up and we noticed on uh, uh, the next door app that people were like, you know, Hey, our power's not coming back on and it's getting cold in the house. Uh, doesn't we have anything we can burn? And they're like finding like random shit to burn, you know, because like nobody, nobody bought firewood, you know, nobody has like a whole live in Texas. Up. Yeah. And you know, so, so that, that was the thing. That was a thing we could do even from afar is like, Hey, you know, here's our address. You know, if you're in the neighborhood and you need firewood, just go and take like a reasonable amount. And people did. I mean, there was, there was like three or four families that came by and just, Loaded up their cars with firewood. That's but, you know, it's something to think about. Like, if you cut down a tree in your yard, if it's worth keeping the wood, just think about that. Just have what you need to, to cut it up and, and save it and season it, right? Yeah. yeah. We had a, you know, it's one of the things that's really been kind of important. It's been very important to us ever since having a kid is, like, making sure that we have enough stuff for her. Um for us too, but you know, like mainly for her and, and we've been kind of caught up in the whole taking care of the kid thing so much because it's, you know, it's a big job um, that I, I've felt a little derelict on the actual preparedness side of things. But one thing that we did do was, you know, I, I think a lot of people would consider a big change, but it happened to work out. We needed a new boiler because we had oil heat. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I did intentionally was to switch to propane. Most of the air, most of the towns uh, around this area, the homes have oil heat or propane. They're not hooked up to like a natural gas system or a, a line. I wanted to switch to propane because I want a dual fuel generator eventually that can run the house on. Home standby generators from Generac are, are great, but they're a little cost prohibitive 
at this point they're like 18 grand for a whole home generator so you can get a yeah. like a standby generator for like four grand five grand something like that'll do your whole house or do most of the things in your house and that's kind of what we're working on now i just got we switched to propane i got the the, the switch and the plug outside for the generator and now it's the actual generator itself but I think for a lot of people, well, but you do what you can when you can, when you right? can like, absolutely you don't have just plan and be like, okay, when I have the budget, yeah. But for I think a lot of people, a lot of people get like this analysis paralysis where they're like, oh my god, I don't know where to start. What you know, so they don't end up doing it at all, and it ends up becoming like an association thing. Well, this is too stressful to think about, so I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah, unintentionally. But do you have any tips on you know where people could start? Where you know that would just make them better off than where they are at like square one that uh, aren't going to either aren't going to break the bank aren't going to drive them crazy and just are going to make their lives a little easier for like the the, the majority of situations uh yeah i mean I, I would say i mean the biggest things are you know focusing on your actual like needs so like and if it's whether it's buying something or just having a plan for something you know, because it might be like like if you're in a more uh, uh, urban or suburban area, like maybe you don't have like heat that can last when the electric's on or off, but maybe you know someone who does. So maybe your plan is when power goes out, like, I mean, you've communicated with them to make sure it's okay, but like you just, like they just know like, hey, if the power goes out and it's out for a while, like these folks are coming over to make sure that they stay warm. And again, this is where we get into, you don't have to do everything yourself. It's great to have plans to be able to, because obviously you can get snowed in. But starting with, I mean, just finding all the resources that are at your disposal, like that are just already there. You don't have to buy people that you know, programs that are available, all that sort of stuff. And then focus on, you know, the stuff that you actually need. So, I mean, water is a big one. Like, I think people just, most people probably don't keep just like drinkable water around the house. I mean, we have, yeah, not that's a, a weak spot for me. Yeah. Like, like it's something like we have, it's probably, like 30 gallons behind me which isn't a ton but it's enough to like for the folks that are here to drink for a few days and we have means of, of filtering water so that's kind of our step two You're but right. step one is just like that's having cool. it around or having one of those like they have those big uh water like bladders that you can like put in your bathtub and then just fill it up from the tap so like if you or if you have a bad storm coming like you just fill that up in the bathtub in case and then you just yeah, have that yeah. you know, it's like 50 gallons of water just there and then obviously drain it when the power comes back on. We actually but, have so water, in our apartment. Food. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because we didn't have nice. a space for, like, you know, stacks of water. So, I, yeah, it's yeah. called a water bob, I think. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, starting with, with your main things, which is, I mean, obviously just shelter. I mean, assuming that hopefully you're able to stay, like, you know, like bugging in, essentially. Like, you're able to stay where you're at. Heat, depending on, I mean, the disaster that you're looking at i mean as we're dealing with you know climate shift and all sorts of stuff you see huge apocalyptic level snowstorms in freaking texas you know it's not predictable you can't just assume that because of where you're living that you're not going to need to like heat yourself in a bad situation and then food i mean food's probably the easiest one it's just that kind of mentality of like every time you go grocery shopping like right now like every time we go like you see like black beans and chickpeas are like 79 cents a can so grab an extra three of them like something that's easy to just like squirrel away like just have enough that like yeah. if you can't go grocery shopping this next week and you have to go an extra week that like you're gonna be okay 
and learning how to can low pH foods yourself also is gonna, is a huge thing, um, which is, is something my wife's done all the legwork for us on that, and she's like, you know, setting up the shelves with all kinds of stuff. That stresses me the fuck out because whenever I hear somebody talk about canning and I realize I'm not doing it, it sounds it actually does sound daunting to me. Like that's one of those things for me that's like I don't can. I'm a piece of shit. Like. I'm not prepared. I don't take care of my no, family. I don't no, no. can and preserve my food. Like, that's what makes me feel like. I'm like, that's something I need to figure out, you know, instead of you should figure Googling out how to use Fusion 360 and print shit in my basement. <laughs> no, it's just one of those things that it's like understanding how to save food that does not. So I say, I say canning low pH foods. Uh, what I mean is that it's like, okay, so like acidic food keeps really well, but something like beef stew, right, does not keep very well. So you have to be very particular about how you do it to avoid, you know, any number of ways that food rots, including botulism. Uh, but once you figure it out, I mean, it's not like super difficult. You need a pressure canner. You can get just, you know, regular pressure canners that you use on a stovetop. Uh, we use one. It's like a digital pressure canner that you plug in. You know, Those makes are super, super nice. easy. Yeah. How does that work? I mean, like I it. You heat up the stuff and then you can it, right? And then when it cools down, it sucks the air out or something like that? Uh, well, it works. There's a lot of different methods depending on what you're canning. Like if you're doing like jam versus like a beef stew or like really just about, yeah, it heats the food in the jar up enough to kill any bacteria that's lingering. If you're using a pressure canner, it should come out pretty well sealed already. If you're just doing like like steam, like a, a water bath canning, which is that just heats it up to, I mean, boiling, and then, yeah, the heat, like, reseals it. But, I mean, if you're feeling uh, uh, intimidated by it, because it is, it's a whole it's a whole new level of, like, you know, home science, homebrew science to take on. I mean, I think this kind of gets back into the community capabilities thing. Like, I would love to see a community that has, like, a canning day. So, like, like my aunt, like, with all of her kids and, like, some of the community people, like, just set up, you know, a day where, you know, everyone's gardens are kind of in and you just all bring your stuff to the same place you know you whether you're learning how to do it or you just have people who like maybe you don't know how to can but you can chop peppers like or chop onions or yeah. help process food i like that and then you just have an assembly line where everyone can bring their stuff in not everyone has to have their whole setup which i mean i was thankful or fortunate in the, in the fact that my grandma when my grandparents both passed away and we were cleaning out their house i mean hundreds upon hundreds if not thousands of mason jars that just got oh, distributed wow. to everyone in our family like we have hundreds of them here now and like that's a daunting thing if you're trying to buy them new because they're not the cheapest thing if you yeah no of them. Well, right hipsters well, okay but, but so what my wife has done <laughs> and my, my wife is like in charge of canning she knows everything about she's done all the research on canning and she does all the shopping and everything she didn't buy all of our jars at once she buys them uh, gradually uh, you know, as they go on sale in different places, she buys them from Ball, she buys them from Mason, Target, Azure Standard, which is anybody who does any prepping will, will know that's like a that's like a crunchy granola like like kind of kind of you know prepping supply place from uh, in like Oregon or something. Standard, but Azure Standard, yeah. Uh, they advertise a lot on YouTube, so <laughs> it's but they sell a lot of canning supplies. And so, and they'll go on sale and you can pick them up gradually over time. It's been many years we've been doing this and we're finally like 
you know, after all of this time, like sending, we have a good like selection of jars and we're starting to really like, you know, stock the shelves and go through the older stuff, just stuff like that. You don't have to do it right away. Uh, Everybody's worried about the fall of society and collapse of rule of law. Most likely what's going to happen when this stuff is going to come in handy, it's going to be just sort of gradual disruptions, right? Like we saw with like the winter storm, like we've seen, you know, people are afraid of like riots or whatever. Yeah, riots might get bad enough to disrupt services, but it's going to be like, I, I think that what we're looking at and what we should realistically be afraid of is it's like, you know, maybe it's going to be hard to get to the grocery store for like a week at a time. So mm-hmm. you don't have to like panic and blow your life savings on all this stuff right now. You can just, you know, start, you know, get like, get a handful of jars and just start practicing. Start with Absolutely. water bath canning if you can't afford a pressure canner. Yeah. Uh, something that, that we just discovered is my, my mom came down because, I mean, with the, uh, with a, a baby on the way, we were just really busy. Like the garden was going untended and my mom came down and just like took everything out of our garden and just made a bunch of stuff and canned it all. But one of the things that she used that I'd never seen before was a, a steam canner. And so like what we had done with, with a water bath canner, I mean, for those who don't know, it's just a huge pot. You just boil water in and put your jars in so it boils and heats everything inside. But it takes forever. If you're, if you have a, a, a like glass stove top, like our stove took uh, took at least two hours to get the pot boiling just to even start it. And the steam bath canner like works the same way, but you're just having to boil like two inches of water at the bottom. Right. And then it seals in the steam and just it works so much faster and more effectively. And they cost like, it was like 30 bucks to buy one. Right. And you can get it up to temperatures suitable for lower pH foods so that you mm-hmm. can make sure it's like sterile inside. Yeah, and a big thing with jars, not with lids. Lids, always buy them new. Like, Don't yeah. reuse them, especially for canning. But for jars, uh, estate sales, garage sales, that sort of stuff, like we found mm-hmm. dozens and dozens where, you know, it'll be like something that's not even like really advertised. We like look under like the tables in the basement and just like, yeah. oh, like there's like a bunch of boxes of mason jars with like two bucks on them. Like, yeah, and my super wife easy to get this- them used. Yeah, she did all this research to figure out, like, what's an actual mason jar and what's just decorative. So, like, she can go to an estate sale and tell the difference. She's like, okay, this is not going to – you can't, like, heat this up. You know, this one's, like, a real one from, like, the 19-whatevers. You know, (laughs) like, she can, like, date them based on the markings or whatever. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's important because, I mean, yeah, lots of things, like you said, like, like hipsters ruined it where now mason jars are just, like, drinking glasses at restaurants and, like, the ones that they make for that are not suitable for, you know, pressure canning. So knowing the difference is super important because those make a big mess if they blow up in your canner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Hold on. We're going to pause real quick. It looks like we've lost Jordan. Yeah. What if he died? I'm going to call him real quick. Oh, good. His internet is dead. Uh, well, I'm yeah. Speaking of prepping out here in the sticks, I'm 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 used to that. We we thankfully just recently um, got Starlink out here, so that doesn't happen as often anymore. But every once in a while. Yeah the uh, the politically tainted internet. <laughs> the the musk net. That's okay. Yeah. 
It is the best Saturday, satellite internet. I mean, you, there's no way it's, around that. Yeah. And I mean, the only other internet that's available out here, I mean, you could do like, yeah, like the satellite dish that has like, you know, you can use five gigs of data a month yeah. or uh, Frontier, which their service out here is essentially like DSL plus. Like mm. Max download, like 18 Yuck. megabytes. And we, we were on that for, I mean, close close to five years. Really working, just like picking up the phone and calling the internet. Yeah, it's, it was awful. Yeah. Your infrastructure is super bad out here. It's Frontier has been guilty and proven guilty and had to pay a bunch of fines where they take a shit ton of West Virginia, like broadband money, like billions of dollars, and then they don't build the network and then they get fined like you know 100 100 million 120 million but then why don't yeah, they, they just find the them for how much they took great question i would love let's to know about, that let's talk about that so jordan's back let's talk about comms because this is we've talked about food we've talked about you we've mentioned water uh power talked about generators i don't know if you want to talk about like solar or anything like that because that's kind of a that's a big financial conversation too yeah like well, to with comms as well yeah, I mean, I, I can touch on solar really, really quick. I mean, obviously, like, having solar as, like, backup power for a house is a huge financial investment. I mean, oh. there's lots of programs that will help with the initial startup costs, but obviously you have to be able to maintain the budget going forward. So the finances of solar panels. It's big money uh, for banks. That's what solar really? panels are about now. I have solar panels. You can make solar panels make sense for you if it's within if it's in your budget if you've got enough space on your roof or enough ground, like open ground on your property, but what they're going to try to do. So, so there's, you see all these like ads for like solar programs, no cost solar in your area. It's so annoying. What they're yeah. trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's mostly horseshit. So what they're trying to do is you've got installers, manufacturers, and banks working together. They want to give you a big loan for the biggest solar system they can sell you that will get you a monthly payment roughly equal to your average utility bill. And they're going to tell you it's going to cancel out your utility bill. Well, really what it's going to mean is if you've got net metering from your utility company, which you might not, over the whole course of the year, it will probably break even. Maybe. If conditions are ideal. They mean by free. I always tell people, it's like, what's that? (laughs) No, I was saying that's what they mean by free. Like, they're not, it's not free. Like, you don't have to pay anything. It's free. Like, hopefully, you might break even. Yeah, exactly. But so you've got a loan on your house for, you know, the small systems cost like $30,000, you know, and they're going to, they give you these special solar loans that are like subsidized. But as a condition of these loans, you know, there's like federal tax rebates, right? But as a condition of these special subsidized solar loans, they're going to ask that when you get your tax rebate, that you, pay them that rebate in its entirety towards the loan. Otherwise you're going to get bumped up to a higher interest rate. Mm. Right. (laughs) So they're like, yeah, we'll give you a 2% interest rate. If you give us that, that $10,000 that the federal government's going to give you on your refund. Otherwise it's a 4% interest rate. And and that's, those are during the good times. Now interest rates are going to be like, like 8%, maybe like 15%. Right. They're going to be like, yeah, uh, no interest for the first two years, and then eighteen percent interest after that. So if you can pay down your thirty thousand to sixty thousand dollar loan in two years, yeah, you could be interest free. 
you know, if you have the cash. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's really one of those things, like, like with so many other, like, so many other preps, like, that's only something that I think you get into or that you should get into if, like, I don't want to say if you can pay for it in cash, but, like, yeah, like, where you can set up, like, within our budget, we could pay this off, at, like, before, yeah. you know, at X date. Like, we're not just going to make the minimum payments and just interest. Right. I'm um, not Dave Ramsey. My... I'm not going to tell people, like, never. <laughs> like, if you can swing, if you can yeah. swing that, that's what we did. We took out, instead of one of the solar loans, we took out a home equity loan because uh, we got a really good rate on it. And we were funding some other projects at the same time, uh, not just the solar panels. So that's how we paid for it. And yeah. these installers, if you cut out the bank and you pay the installers cash, you will see the price goes down a lot. Sure, once, yeah. once you mention that you're just going to give them the whole thing in cash and you're not going through a bank, they're like, okay, here's the new number, right? Actually, something touching on that before before we head in, into comms is talking finances a little bit, which I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of creators who are kind of gotten on that, like, you know, get your finances in order. Like, you don't, like, don't take out a credit card and then max it out on night vision, like that sort of financial yeah. advice. But I mean, I think that's something, you know, as like homesteading has become more popular, more mainstream, and kind of the version of it is really only attainable if you're independently wealthy, pretty much. Like you can just yeah. go buy a homestead and just like, you don't need to make money off of it, but like, you know, you have a cute kitchen and in, in Instagram. So like you try to make something happen, but like <laughs> it's for fun. But like a lot of homesteading developed out of abject poverty, like people figuring out how to do stuff for nothing. And so I think that's like at the root of it, like that's the lesson that most people should take from like looking at homesteaders, looking at creators, looking at right. people in that space is that like, even if like it, you don't have to go out and buy a 10 acre property or a hundred acre property, whatever, like the biggest takeaway is like learning to live simply. Exactly. And that, that, that comes with lowering your budget, your uh -huh. lowering your spending so that you I mean, it's not ideally, enough to say don't run up your credit card debt. You do need to know how much you're spending every month. You know, you do need yeah. to know like, you know, your ins and outs, right? And yeah, and look like like where can you make cuts and where can you simplify things? I mean, like like for me, the biggest motivation is like how do I spend less time working for someone else, right. essentially. You know, which can get into the whole like social commentary but you know wanting to lessen my reliance on just abject capitalism right you know and wanting to kind of unplug a little bit we're obviously we're in a capitalist society like we engage with it every day being on you know this platform we obviously are but like lessening your reliance on it to where you know if you can live a little bit more simply you know be a little bit more budget conscious you know be a little bit more self-sustaining in that way like that makes a huge difference in yeah. every other aspect where you're trying to prepare, trying to learn new things, like getting yeah. your time back, getting a little bit of a little bit of, you know, income that you can invest into those things or that you can just help someone else out with. And um, honestly, I find that kind of an apolitical statement, right? I mean, I'm like literally a capitalist, right? But I still agree that it's literally. like anybody that can do it should literally like I mean <laughs> like like by like the textbook definition. But like, you know, if you can reduce your reliance on having to work for somebody else and get a paycheck, like that's good. That's objectively good. You should do that. You know, as much as it pays uh, to make more money, right? You also have to be thinking about working less hours, you know, because it's like we're talking about prepping. We're talking about learning skills, right? Learning skills over buying products. You're not going to have time to do that if you're just like plugging away at your job. 
And you have to work your job. If you have to work your job to pay the bills, then you have to work your job. But I think it's, I think it's uncontroversial to say that, you know, just being part of that system and then like not aspiring to be anything else, I, I think will not help you if things fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like, you know, to talk about this, just to touch on the solar panels one last time, you know, yeah, I financed these solar panels. They're not going to last more than 30 years. So, you know, I, you know, I pay off the loan in 10 years. I've got 20 years of owning them outright. And then they either have to be removed or replaced because they're not going to work anymore. Right. So that's a product that I bought. I have not learned a skill to turn the sun into electricity. Right. (laughs) You know, if you don't have the budget for solar panels, you might be better off learning how to like power your devices in other ways or learning how to live without your devices. Buy a bunch of hamsters. Yeah, so that and, and I mean, also just learning. Skills. Just buy them once. Learning and have them you know, kind of the, the basic skills. I mean, yeah. Sorry, I think that learning the, uh, the skills to uh, kind of build your own systems. Not that. I suggest people go out and try to build the equivalent of a you know, $30,000 solar system. No, but, but, but like, 12-volt like our... systems are relatively easy to work with as long as you understand the danger of fire. Yeah, I mean, you have to know your stuff, especially if you're working with it around a structure. But, I mean, for us, like we're looking at building a small one just for, like, for our chicken coop so we can have an automatic door yeah. that opens and closes morning and night. Like That's something where we're just buying that's back cool. a little bit of our time uh-huh. and effort. Like little things like that, where like the kit for it's like 150 bucks from uh, uh, Harbor Freight. Last like, time I looked, 12 volt, 100 watt solar panels were down to a dollar a watt, and that's pretty efficient for small power systems. And you can string those together. You can buy a whole bunch of cheap solar panels if you've got the space for it, and charge a battery bank and use use those 12 volt batteries, or you can string. You know, you can actually turn a bunch, if you have the space for it, you can turn a bunch of 12-volt panels into a 48-volt system and charge 48-volt batteries. So it's there's a lot of different stuff you can do with the know-how. And it's not going to be the same thing as like a, you know, like a Tesla Powerwall and the, you know, these like super high-end panels or whatever. But you can do a lot, especially if you're, if it's like you said, if you're like living more simply, like if you can trim your power usage. So that you're not using the the same wattage that like a big suburban McMansion would use. You can actually go a long way on a simple 12-volt battery bank. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just think about using solar panels because we're not anywhere near, you know, doing crazy stuff like running our house on solar panels and having an app that tells us when we're living off the grid, Andrew. But uh, there's, I think of like having (laughs) solar panels on like my shed and running a trickle charger that keeps my like power equipment go- like going yes. you know so that when i go to mow my lawn mm-hmm. it's a great idea first time in the summer i'm not you know i don't have a dead battery and now i have to buy a new battery yeah yeah it also means that you can build you you know if you're thinking about building a shed you may not have to worry about trenching for a 120 volt line all the way out to your shed you know you exactly. can build it somewhere sunny uh, have a 12 volt battery bank and a, and a, uh, what is it? An inverter. Yeah. Yeah. All that fun stuff. Tyler, one of the things that I had on here that, um, Andrew actually wrote, and it was one of the things that I was thinking of, but I didn't know how to word it. How (laughs) sounds like a great, uh, transition, you know, going from talking about chicken coops and, and power equipment and stuff like that. But I think 
at least for me, this was one of the things that happened was where when I first got into prepping, when I first thought about prepping, it was when we lived on a third floor apartment and I was like, all right, I, I need to go as hard as possible into what we can do here. I was taking a chunk out of my paycheck like every week and buying stuff. Like it was all stuff that we needed, you know, but it kind of caused my wife to think I was a crazy person for a little while. <laughs> and how do you get involved with prepping? Like, or how would you say somebody should get involved with prepping who has zero experience, whose spouse, partner, family member who they live with uh, has zero experience without like making their that person think that they're a crazy person? Like, how do you show this to a person and say, like, this is what we should be doing. This is what everybody should be doing uh, with <laughs> without sounding like you want to like go live in the woods. Right. That's a really good question because that's probably a situation that a lot of people find themselves in, which, you know, if you're uh, learning this through, you know, like Instagram or YouTube or whatever, and, and like you are learning this information and getting this desire, but like you don't, you're not sharing that with someone else yet and you bring it up. And if that person, you know, isn't, you know, hasn't lived that kind of lifestyle and just like that's something totally foreign. And, you know, when they hear prepper, they think, you know, forget what, there's like a, crazy like tv show about preppers when it goes out to like all like the craziest people with bunkers yeah. and all this other stuff but like that's kind of the image that comes up and i think it got a lot simpler and i, I don't want to paint this as like as not being a, the tragic thing that it was but i think it's simpler thing now after you know the pandemic and not trying to paint that covid doesn't still exist because that's just part of our ecosystem now Isn't but that lame that I think, you yeah yeah. But looking at it from that, like everyone experienced that and everyone, like you can start that conversation from the perspective of like, I, I think it'd be a good idea if we had enough supplies in the house to like not have to go grocery shopping this week. Because that, that was something that like, I mean, we were incredibly fortunate that we were kind of already into it. So that like whenever, say like starting in January 2020, uh, we started doing grocery trips once a month. And, you know, that was during the time when, like, grocery store shelves were going empty and, like, we were okay. I mean, you know, whenever we did go, like, we would get kind of that bulk stuff. But, like, we were able to cut down our exposure to, like, a once-monthly trip, which obviously a lot of people don't have that level of privilege. And I absolutely understand that as coming from a position of privilege. But, like, that's a good aim, I think, is to know, like, hey, like, whether it's a blizzard, whether it's, you know, if you're someone who is uh, uh, immunocompromised and, you know, this is the time of year when you know, the flu and everything else is coming up too, like, it's really beneficial to be able to be self-sustaining for a short period of time. And I think bringing that up in that way where, like, you're not buying, like, tents and Bowie knives and, you know, 13 rifles that all have a different purpose and all this other <laughs> stuff where you're trying to, like play rambile you know like like anything like that but it's like it starts with food i think like food's kind of that first thing that's like all right yeah it makes sense we should probably have enough food just to last for a couple of weeks then like the turning point i think starts to come when it gets into like gear right and trying to make that gear as approachable as possible with now which now like it super is like if you want to get into like water filtration like, obviously, there's really heavy-duty, like, uh, what's the one that's being pushed around a lot? Is it Canna Provisions? It has uh, uh, presumably really great water filtration products. That's really intimidating for someone who's not into this yet, and it's expensive. But if you just 
you know, run by like, hey, maybe we should have like a couple of grail water bottles sitting around. So that like if I need to go out to the pond and scoop up some water because our water ran out in here, like we can do that. And that's you know Is that what that water bottle approaching does? it from marginal Yeah, so it's like it's excellent where take it apart now. Um, so it's basically a large container that you can go out and scoop up water, like fill this up with water, and then you just press this down through it, and like like a French press, basically, it pushes all the water through a filter in the bottom. Neat. And then you just have a bottle of drinkable water. That's really cool. And this was about the gunk at the bottom. Uh, yeah, it'll collect stuff down here. Definitely wash it out between uses, <laughs> but the filter works really well and you know it'll last for every what like how many gallons it's rated for but it's several thousand there's something um, crazy they're like 10,000 so like or 20, gallons yeah but like that's i'm sorry like that sounds like i'm interrupting 30 crazy 30 delay. 35 dollar oh good that's an approachable thing if you want to talk about like water preps right like you're not talking you know, like getting like a water pump so I can pump water up from the pond and run it through like an RV filter system or like anything crazy like that. Like it's a water bottle. You just can take hiking with you. You can take it camping and it works for your house too. If you're in somewhere where, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people in the U.S. that don't have good drinking water just out of their faucet. Right. So like that's kind of an approachable thing where like, you know, it doesn't take a lot to happen. Even just like a construction site down the road for, you know, a water line to break and get contaminated and you just don't have good water for a little bit. So for sure. Sorry. Yeah. Kind of kind of rambled off on a tangent there, but really no. it's keeping it uh, approachable, keeping it low budget is a big thing. I feel like like a lot of people want to go for the big ticket items cuz they're cool and I mean they are, but getting those smaller things that are more approachable, especially for someone who's not into that world yet, like isn't into survivalism or bushcraft or even just like doesn't have an interest in gear in general, approachable things that make sense that don't just look like something that you're buying to just squirrel away for doomsday or whatever. Something that you can like reasonably say, this is something that's happened next door. This is something that's happened in our area before. Here's a couple of simple things we can do to better take care of ourselves if it happens again. And tying it to yeah, real world situations that you've experienced and not uh, you know, doomsday fantasy or societal breakdown or anything else like keep it to snowstorms and tornadoes and suffer your vehicle being a car accident or i mean if you ever witnessed a car accident you know like i mean i have a a bunch of stuff in my car now because i driving up our crazy windy road we had a a truck in front of us flip and and the dude was fine but i didn't have like a crowbar in the car and the dude's door was like jammed like flipped up on its side and to like climb on top and like just find debris to like pry his door open with because I didn't have a tool just like in the back of my car that I could do that with. And so that was like a, well, I should probably like not have that happen again. And so, you know, sometimes there's an experience, like if you know the person and you know kind of things that they've been through, like tie it into that. If they've been in in an accident or, you know, if you want to get into like first aid prep, that sort of stuff, like there's a lot of simple and approachable ways to get yourself into a good spot without like a trauma care kit you know it's keeping it approachable where it's not overwhelming or i mean you know you could get the task paralysis with just so many things to consider Uh, keep it simple 
I like that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I, that's the problem with like the ADHD shit, and like in me is like if I get like you were saying, I've got like a, I get a new hyper focus. I'm like, all right, this is what we're doing. This is I'm allocating a hundred dollars a week, and I'm buying this stuff, and it never ends up being a hundred dollars a week because of credit cards and shit like that. But and it ends up being like uh, this new personality. Yeah, here's a, here's that I'm a quick, quick aside. I'm not naming names. I don't want to shame anybody, but. When you're putting stuff on your credit card, uh, do you try to keep in mind that you should be paying off your credit cards every month? Thank you, Andrew. So Let's not name names so. or anything there. Right after I say that I use my <laughs> not, credit card yeah, to I'm buy not. prepping shit. <laughs> but we're not naming names or shaming anybody here, wanna, but don't do I what wanna, I just did. I just want to remind people that when you buy something on sale on your credit card, but you don't pay it off at the end of the month, or you don't pay it off for a few months, uh, that interest will quickly make it much more expensive than if you had bought it with cash. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny. I didn't grow up with a like a financial education, and I paid the hard way. I learned the hard way that uh, credit cards are the fucking devil, which are, they aren't. Credit cards are yeah. great if you use them properly. but Credit cards uh, are tools, and you can cut your fingers off with tools. Yeah, I built a motorcycle <laughs> oh, yeah, on my credit exactly. card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad idea. Anyway, yeah, no, thank you, Tyler. That's, we uh, we uh, can cut that out. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to embarrass. Uh, what feels feels a little shamey. I'm sorry. Me, listen. Well, it follow. <laughs> I followed it up with saying I built a motorcycle on a credit card, yeah. which is objectively worse than saying, "Hey, you guys should pay off your credit cards at the end of each month." I had it if you can. I had a friend who would. This is a real tangent, so I'm going to get back to it real quick. But I had a friend who would. He would get student loans right this is how he was living he would get student loans to pay for his living expenses and his tuition but instead of uh like like saving money or doing any doing anything that was like a generally like good investment right uh, he would like buy video games uh with whatever he had left over from his like student loan payments and i told him i'm like what's your loans work you have extra money yeah, so 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 you're approved for like a certain amount for because the idea. Hey, buddy. Andrew's kid just walked in. <laughs> yeah, Tyler, if you if you listen to this podcast, you know we tend to go on tangents every yeah. now and then. Yeah, all good. That's a solid yeah. answer, though, man. That's I really think that got is... that tangent. I'm not going to finish it. <laughs> we're just talking <laughs> about how, like, you didn't want to shame anybody, and you were about to, to overtly shame this guy you knew. No, he would be. So, so yeah, because it's like an insanely high. He told me what it was. It was an insanely high interest rate. He's like, no, but it's deferred. So I'm not paying interest on this. I'm like, are you going to pay? Oh, no. Are you going to pay it off as soon as you get out of school? Because you're going to get charged interest as soon as you graduate. And he's like, no. I'm like, okay, so every single thing that you buy with this money, instead of putting it back into your loan, pay, instead of paying your principal right now, uh, is gonna be is gonna be at the very least this much interest, but probably a lot more because it's gonna rack up every month. And he's like, "Yeah, I'll worry about that later." Okay. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. But that was essentially how I lived for a few years. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. This was a problem for future me, and I'm now future me. Just don't do your finances like that, guys. I really yeah. implore you. I know that it's like hot shit for influencers to be like, "Oh, get your finances together," but like, real concrete advice. Listen, like, if you're not owning three homes no. at your age right now Just... and renting out three of those and living in a paper bag, <laughs> no. No, then no, 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 no. you are so far behind. 
just I just really Every want people to keep compound interest in ever. mind. It's it will wreck your shit. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Thank you. This has been financial advice with Andrew on the A Better Way to A podcast. <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> how do we get back to the? How do we get? I want to talk about comms because uh, Jordan's internet kept break kept cutting out. I want to yeah. talk about so, communications and you know getting them to be more and more reliable over time. I you know it's, it's really dumb. As you're talking about like learning skills to be self-sufficient and like we're, we're, like developing a way to be to get yourself paid without working for somebody, the whole time I'm thinking, man, I, my business is completely reliant on having internet, and if my internet ever goes out, I can't fulfill orders, I can't use Instagram, which sounds so cheesy to say, like, but it's just it's you know e-commerce type, yeah. uh, Instagram type world that we live in. But I don't build knives, I don't build artisanal hand axes in my backyard and sell them <laughs> to my neighbors most people who have businesses nowadays have to use the internet for some purpose but for a while there when i had the delay i was uh going off of my phone hotspot and that's why it was so Oof. so sketchy because i don't know why my internet's been cutting in and out but yeah comms are important you know that's one of the things that i've been slacking on i got my ham license couple years ago which is arguably more than most which you know pat myself on the back for that but i don't use it i don't practice with it enough when i go backpacking like i'm lucky enough to live near a bunch of trails and uh like hundreds probably there's probably a good 100 miles of trails by my house um including ones that overlap and stuff like that but we uh the appalachian trail goes through connecticut and you can connect to it through where we live which is super neat but when I do that, I bring my radio with me. And, you know, one of the silly things that I noticed was like, so I've got a little five watt Baofeng radio and I can pick people up on a repeater from a, from probably 20 miles away, but I can't talk to them because you're picking them up because the repeater is a much higher wattage than your radio. You can't talk to them because your five watt radio can't reach that repeater. But I didn't know this right, at yeah. the time, and I was like, "Oh my God, why can't I talk to these people? Why? What if I? What if my leg was broken? I couldn't ask for help. I don't have phone service. I don't like." And just having that little bit of panic because I didn't fully understand what was going on sucked. So yes, we can talk about comms. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> <laughs> your experience, if if you have any. I don't even was this even something that uh, that you talked about. I didn't see comms on your page. Uh. I haven't talked about it a whole lot. I think like my approach to comms has always been pretty uh, localized. And everything that I know about comms was learned, I mean, from YouTube, really. Like uh, uh, the guys over at Mojave Repeater, like so much incredible information, which really, I mean, I've only really looked at in terms of like wanting to create like kind of a property comms like platform to be able to like, you know, just wear like my Peltors with, you know, my radio in so that like if I'm out running the chainsaw, out in the back of our property or whatever that like my wife can like get in contact with me and not just like a walkie talkie that I'm supposed to be able to hear over a chainsaw and ear protection. That's so, like, awesome. That, that part's yeah. Like that's honestly like my biggest motivation for that right now. It's just like, we have zero cell service out here. Like absolutely zero, like can't even send a text message in a lot of spots. The walkie talkies are fine, but like getting the wiring to like connect from their little headphone jack into like any meaningful ear protection is difficult and then obviously you know wanting to think forward to like oh about like encryption and like you know that sort of stuff and obviously oh, yeah your store-bought walkie-talkie isn't going to have much there like anyone could pick that up which isn't a concern like usually just asking me if i'm okay that's pretty much it 
but yeah, like it, it is something that is super important. And I think the most important part of it is the plan that you have behind it. Like having the ability to have comms is great. Is there anyone who would be planning to hear from you in the event of something? Or are you just calling into the void? I mean, in, with a, a bowfanger or something like that, obviously, like when you're out hiking and you like hurt yourself, like just having a way to just broadcast for help is obviously super important. I don't have the know-how of like, like what radio would be best to like actually have that range. And obviously I know there's a lot of laws about like, you know, broadcasting. So having, having your license and everything. And I obviously like, I know that that changes in like an emergency situation and also like, I'll take a fine for broadcasting illegally if it saves my life. That's, That's actually a pretty easy choice. part of the laws. If you're in yeah, an emergency you can, situation, yeah. you can transmit. Uh, a ham will, yeah. a ham will, uh, it, saying broadcasting it's to like a ham guy is like saying clip to a gun guy instead of magazine. It's funny. You don't broadcast. <laughs> you're not a radio station. It's called transmit. <laughs> I, I met some really cool dudes from doing the ham class, but I also met some insufferable assholes. <laughs> and it's almost, yeah. it's funny. It's almost like every community has them. And I, I started to look into, you know, like getting my ham license and stuff and looking into the kind of that route. And it was kind of one of those things where just like, I couldn't find like, like for me in my situation, like I couldn't find a situation where it would be useful to me, like in, like from this location, obviously if I'm traveling or whatever, like having the ability, having the knowledge is excellent. But just like the more and more I looked at like the community around ham is just so gatekeepy. And so like, just completely resistant to change or like new technology or, you know, so it's just really gatekeeping. Like you really needed yeah. to have your, like the semantics down. If you even wanted to like talk to anyone. <laughs> that's like, yeah. And you know, that's unfortunately the, a roadblock that you might run into. I'm, I was lucky that the ham club where I live was super cool and super inclusive and, was just like really they wanted more because the thing is like ham operators are a dying breed it's all old people there's very few young people getting yeah. into it so when they see a young person coming into it they're like oh yeah this is awesome like keeping it alive <laughs> i mean like like once again i would say like my my biggest thing has always been like similar to any other prep like having a plan on how you're going to use it that includes other people like if i mean worst case scenario like like my mom lives uh like four and a half hours away and so, like, in a terrible situation where it would, like, you know, cut off comms, like, you know, any sort of communications, phones, all that sort of stuff, like, having, like, the more important part is, like, having a plan on, like, what are we going to do in this event? Like, how am I going to find a way to either get to you, like, driving to up to her house to make sure she's okay? Training her on a radio would probably be pretty dicey, but, I mean, she's super smart, so you never know. Teacher, um, you know, you have it set to a... Uh, frequency and teach her how to push the button and talk. That's honestly the, that's yeah. that's the easiest way if you're only using it in emergency situations. No, to better get idea. Write the frequency on something near yes. the radio in case yes. she has to uh, tune it. True. Yeah. I uh, I dumbed mine down so that anybody in my house could use it. I used like a programming software. Oh yeah, I gave chirp. All of my yeah, I used chirp. So I. This works for people if you have like people that need to use your radio and don't know how to. It doesn't work with a radio yeah, you, you that you might like, want to use for other things. You can have it to be like only yeah. on certain frequencies, right? Well, I programmed all of my, I programmed them all as channels. So like you've got X amount of channels on the radio, and I gave them all uh, acronyms and, and word like letter designations, so they know what town repeater they're 
connecting to. They know what like emergency services they can hear that are legal. And, uh, you know, they don't just, they're not just looking at numbers and they don't know who they're talking to. So like if we, I live in Connecticut, if you want to hit like the Waterbury hospital has a repeater on it and it says like WTRB, whatever the acronym is, but that's, and then I have a list like on my, in the little box that has what all the acronyms mean. If you're on the Waterbury channel, this acronym, then you're hitting the Waterbury repeater and on the hospital kind of thing. So at least you have an idea of like who's listening to you from what area and like who you're able to talk to, and it's yeah, a pretty. Yeah. It's I have it within a fifty mile range of our house. So yeah, I mean that's that's something that that I didn't mention. I guess is that like like I have a a bow thing as well that again I haven't used to like communicate with people, but I do have like my local like fire department, sheriff's office that sort of stuff programmed in so that like like whenever we had that ice storm, like obviously a. Uh, like a weather radio is going to give you a little bit of information about just like the weather, but just like being able to like we had no no cell service, no internet, no anything, but be able to like turn on like the scanner essentially and just hear like is shit okay out there, <laughs> like yeah. like to be able to hear like like what are they actually responding to, like what are people dealing with, how bad is it outside of like what we can see because we can't drive anywhere, and like that level of comms for you know being able to just gain information whenever you're isolated and used to having information at your fingertips at all times, at the very least, like if you are someone who deals with anxiety or have someone in your house who does, like that can be a big comfort. It's like the rest of the world still exists and this stuff is happening, but like we have an idea that, you know, what's going on. Yeah. It sucks not being able to get in touch with people. My phone shut off while I was sleeping at work last night. And I woke up to, so not only did I wake up late, my alarm didn't wake me up, but I woke up to like a bunch of text messages from my wife. And if it was ever an emergency, she has my work number, but she actually was texting me because our internet went out here and she wasn't able to send texts and she didn't want me to be worried. So she was texting me a bunch, but that's the thing. Like if I'm trying to contact her and we don't have internet here, everything in the house runs off of internet. So like a lot of times if she doesn't have her phone, she can't find her phone, I'll drop into the Alexa dot that we have in the living room and I'll be I'll just kind of like yell for her <laughs> it sounds super creepy <laughs> but it works and she, she's done the same thing for me but yeah without internet you know if you truly want to communicate with a radio over distances you know you need a mobile unit you need something in your car and uh I have to double check I know handhelds you're not allowed to broadcast you're not allowed to transmit over five watts but I forget about your car, your home stations. You can, but it is it significantly stunts your ability to communicate with loved ones if you if all you have is a handheld Baofeng, you know, or a handheld at, at all, and you're only transmitting on five watts. So yeah, and but you know, here's a an alternative viewpoint: don't get caught. Well, if it's the, the FCC is a, is a prickly bunch, and if you are transmitting for a period of time, you will get yeah. So if you fined. transmit for a long period of time from the same place, uh, somebody's going to find you. But if you are intermittently transmitting uh, while moving around, uh, it's very unlikely that even a busybody uh, ham bone is going to get you. This is just a fact. We're not telling you to do this. Yeah, but... I'm not saying you should do this. <laughs> I'm not uh, enticing anyone to a crime. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> you know, or incite inciting anyone to a crime. I'm just saying. Yeah, um, exactly. And also, uh, you know, another thing to keep in mind, you know, 
you you cannot you literally cannot be penalized for using uh, radio in an emergency. And emergency is very loosely defined by the FCC. It is very subjective. So, like a state of emergency declared by the government or a personal emergency, both have applied to that rule, and people have gotten off on broadcasting inappropriately in those situations. Good, nice. Yeah, sorry, I was just looking up the definition of what they consider an emergency, but I don't know if they have that readily. There really is no definition. It just they just say none. Of, it's something like none of this is to imply or. Something like that that you should not that you will not be able to uh, broadcast in an emergency. And they don't define emergency; they just say emergency. Hey there, everybody! We hope you're enjoying the episode. If you do like what we're about and want to support us, our Patreon is a fantastic way to do so. It allows us to improve the podcast in many ways and helps fund our alcoholic coffee beverage stash to assist on those late night recording sessions. Now you may be thinking. This podcast has me absolutely smitten, and I would love nothing more than to throw money at you. But what's in it for me? Well, I'm glad you asked. When you become a patron, you automatically get access to an exclusive collection of clips from the podcast not heard anywhere else. On top of that, we have a wide range of tiers available that will get you merch, discount codes, and even free gear delivered to you monthly. For any patrons currently listening to this, we are super thankful for your support and for keeping the dream alive that one day I will be able to meet Andrew and make sweet, sweet podcast magic with him in person. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash abetterway2a in the episode notes for the podcast or on the link in our Instagram bio. All right, now that's all for that. Back to the show. Okay. Another thing I wanted to mention or, or talk about, man, was uh, you mentioned that the area you live in, it's like you want to be prepared because of how you look and who you are. I don't know, without knowing what part of West Virginia you, li- you live in, how do you kind of like reconcile the stuff that you're trying to do with building community and gaining these skills while also kind of living in an area where they might be less apt to work with you based on first impressions. If that's the vibe that I'm picking up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a a great question. I mean, yeah, being in, I mean, beyond just like the area that I'm in, like demographically, West Virginia is the whitest state in the U S it is also no surprise that even our cities are deep red when it comes to voting. I mean, yeah, red, deep red in every district, every election, other than mansion for some odd reason. But it's, it's not something that's foreign to me. Like, I, I grew up in, like, Amish country in PA. Like, I grew up as the only non-white person that I knew. So, like, it's not something that's, like, it's not something I've had to, like, like adjust to. If that makes sense, like it's not like it wasn't a culture yeah. shock. It wasn't like anything that I wasn't prepared for that I don't know how to deal with. And I mean, the biggest thing, like, like the biggest thing for me when it comes to, I mean, I guess a two sided thing. One, when it comes to just like helping people, like, I firmly do not believe in like purity testing aid. Like, if someone needs help, they need help. Um, if they don't want to accept help from me, like, that's on them. Um, but otherwise, like, I don't care if, there's a you know, confederate flag in their front yard like if they need food like here's food when it comes so to cool. like actually building like community and like you know connecting with people and you know building relationships obviously that's a little bit of a different approach like i have to, i definitely take it seriously that i have to be more guarded with like personal information that i'm giving out people knowing where i live that sort of thing because i have 
almost certainly the only, I mean, just non-white person that lives on my road and, and I'm 10 miles from the nearest town. And so, like, it is something that I have to be conscious of because recognizable if people were to, like, ask around or ask neighbors or that sort of thing. Where's um, that one black dude? Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we've seen him around in a, God. a, a four by four driving around, like, this road. Like, where does he live? And, and that's something that I also have to keep in mind is that we have a like a small country bar, like not far up the road. And so like that's always also in my mind is just like who knows that I'm here and who could potentially just like get drunk enough one night to try something. You know, so I, I do have to be careful when it comes to personal security and obviously for my family, because, I mean, my wife isn't like, you know, isn't of the mindset where I mean she would ever want to like run and grab a gun from the closet. Right. Like. And I would feel pretty incredibly awful if I ever put her in that position through me oversharing something. Yeah, of course. And so I do have to be be really careful when it comes to connecting with people. I mean, it's really difficult when it comes to like like gun related stuff. Like, there's a couple of gun clubs around, very far deep right. Like all the uh, like gun shops and stuff tr- sell like you know Trump apparel, that sort of stuff. Like that is the vibe of gun culture around here, and there's not many like open public ranges so like meeting people in that respect is difficult but on the other side of things west virginia has a deep history of you know workers rights and so that's a really easy way to connect with people even if they are you know right wing whether they have bought into the the propaganda on that side yeah socially conservative but like if you actually kind of work with them on like you know like social aid programs and like, you know, workers having more power in the workplace and, you know, that sort of stuff. Like you find that there's a lot of commonality. I mean, there's a lot of great aid organizations around here. A lot of them are through churches, which isn't my favorite form, but like they do good. You know, it's, there's a deep seated desire of community in the area where people look out for each other. I mean, like the, uh, the car accident that I mentioned that, that I was a witness to earlier, like, we were like the first ones there because we were literally behind the guy when he spun out. But like within three minutes, like the next person down the road, like, like stopped to make sure everyone was okay. And then like went down the road and like started like flagging down traffic. And the next person caught a tow truck. And like, like, ever, like there wasn't like those scenarios where you see like someone suffering and people just like stepping over them in the street or driving past and like, oh, interesting, you know, and going on their way. Like, when push comes to shove, people around here want to help each other. And there is a little bit of, you know, maybe apprehension or anytime I walk into a smaller place, you know, it's kind of, I can feel eyes on me, that sort of thing. But I mean, I've always had that. Like that doesn't bother me like, or, you know, make me apprehensive to like go into a place where, you know, I have business being. And, you know, from there, it's finding the people that you can connect with and building that rapport because I've always found that, you know, even if someone is super racist, like, and has, you know, a lot of prejudices and bigotry and stuff, like, a lot of that ideology or that that belief is around lack of exposure. Like, they've never met someone and, like, gotten to yeah. know someone and realized that, like, oh, like, you're just like me. You just look a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean, I've met people that were, like, from a distance, I mean extremely hostile but then through say like growing up like through like soccer or through like some activity i was in where you like 
meet the person and like you interact around a thing like it's not like i'm not going to bars and trying to like meet people and like shake hands but like if you're you know volunteering at, at a local organization or you know you just have a point of commonality where you can like do a thing and just like be in the vicinity like that bridges so many imaginary and that's not to yeah. say that you know there aren't people that like you know just will not warm up to that like there's absolutely people who are hard you know dug into their positions and like there's i don't want to say there's no hope but like it's a much longer road to like build a relationship there are definitely there. people out there who are not worth the time required that you would need to put in to change them like you're better off worrying about right improving yourself kind of thing yeah like like there's definitely people that, i mean there's always people that can change through circumstance right like circumstances in your life can change but like it's not going to happen in a conversation and so yeah you know it's just not worth digging your time and trying to build a relationship there when you can be building more relationships elsewhere with people who just want to work together even if we have completely different ideologies and completely different uh, uh, belief systems you know when push comes to shove when it comes to you know just people needing help like it you know it's one of those things with not so much with prepping but like with disasters in general like when people need help like ideologies don't matter anymore like are you willing to like take this chainsaw and cut this tree up that's like blocking someone's door so people can get in and help them out are you willing to just hand out meals like to stand at a table and just hand meals to people who come up it's that simple like we can get into the bigger things when it comes to like building a responsive community that you feel like you can call on when you're in need but like when it comes to just like existing in a space it really just comes down to finding like i wouldn't in this space like try to create my own nonprofit and like try to do stuff because i would run into a lot of barriers but you know there's so many systems out there that i can involve myself in that i can you know give my skill my time to and even if there is some resistance like you know it, it usually melts away pretty quickly when people like actually take the time to get to know you that's awesome, man. Yeah, I definitely think it's, you know, that's, you're in a spot where, uh, you know, I think people forget, especially me, you know, as a white dude from the Northeast, forget that there are still parts of the country that are not, like, great, <laughs> you know, but it, which is ironic because whenever I go down south, I'm always blown away at how friendlier people seem to be, but I'm also a white dude. And, like, how slowly everything moves in comparison to everyone being in a rush up here, it seems like. And it's almost, it's very relaxing for somebody like me. But uh, again, I'm a white dude. Like I, I could, I can, I can pass as a racist. <laughs> not no. like, so white dude I'm sees not... me from across the bar and they're like, Oh yeah, brother, yeah. you know, <laughs> without getting to know me. He's a, he's brother. brother with it, with an ER, you know, that's a brother Listen, with a hard R. But so, uh, I'm from the, uh, <laughs> I'm from uh, Texas, not from the deep south. But I will tell you that my experience with, like, the southern thing is there's this duality to it. Like, yeah, people are polite. People are very nice. People will really surprise you, even if you're outwardly very different, whether you're uh, black or flamboyantly gay or whatever. You can get treated very well in places that you think would be very hostile. But these are still the same places uh, where very recently within, you know, your parents' generation, uh, lynchings were happening. 
So you can't always trust that what you're getting, like on the face of it, is really how people feel about you. Yeah, it's kind of that. I mean, I think the most apt comparison is like like from the South, where people are kind to your face and mean behind your back, versus like Philly, where people are just like mean to your face, but will say nice things about you because <laughs> you know just that that way of communicating and showing yourself. Like that, that southern charm where you just, well, it's just be polite, you know, bless your heart, all bless that your stuff. Heart. But, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely a thing. I mean, and, and, again, that's why, I mean, I talked about, you know, having to be more guarded about, you know, who I give any information to. And it's not just like a, oh, you seem neat, like, I'll share here with, you know, knowing someone long enough that, like, I can tell that they've let their guard down in a way that, like, they're not, like, masking for, you know, a conversational aspect. Like, we're, yeah, yeah becoming friends and like it's worth like her like sharing more um because yeah like i've definitely met people or you know had people stop by like you know contractors and stuff who'll like come in and check my work after like building stuff up at the other house and like when they see me then they come in like you did all this (laughs) this is your house god that's gotta suck you you built this well yeah you know it's part of it these days i know that's uh well, that's the trade-off. You know, I, there are places that you could, you know, like you can come up to Connecticut and deal with like NIMBY racism where people will be nice to your face but will like actively vote for things that could hurt you or like or hurt people like in the inner cities and things like that. Or you deal with like the upfront racism where like once somebody gets to know you, they're like, oh, okay, this guy's not that bad. Yeah, and... That that is something that that I do want to touch on is that like my experience is not my experience and my ability to deal with it is not indicative of everyone. Like, I mean, it's something that I grew up with, and so like I have like I don't want to say like like the the maturity, but like I have the mental fortitude to like deal with like mm, that was an unfortunate thing to hear someone you can say. Let things roll, turn the other cheek. A little bit, but then, I mean, also being very aware that if this was someone saying it to someone else, like, I wouldn't be as cool. You know, like, yeah. it's not a, like, I'll, I'll just, like, let people get away with saying stuff or, like, let people act out bigotry. Because, yeah, there are people who, like, face it in really dangerous ways. I mean, I mean, you all, like, like with the work that, that you've been doing with, uh, you know, just making the gun space more inclusive to people who have a very real need to be able to defend themselves, you know, like, it's not a... Like, my approach isn't one of just, like, letting stuff fly or just, like, letting it go, but it's a, in a conversational aspect, it's it's looking at it from the perspective of, you know, I can either, like, confront this right now and, like, burn this bridge or, and, you know, create that, like, opposition where it's going to make them feel like they were a victim, blah, 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 like, oh, yeah. like, someone, like, they thought I was racist, blah, 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 or you can, like, if it's the opportunity to build a relationship and, like, it's not about like oh like like we can be friendly. It doesn't matter what you believe, but it's you know wanting someone to giving someone a reason to change. Not I mean, you can't force them to. You can't shame them into it. You can shame them into hiding it. You know you can shame them into hiding their racism, which you know is something that I think was done for a while until it became you know they were encouraged to be more public about things. But it's like from my perspective, it's giving someone the reason and an example to change to change their opinion on a generalized group of people that they have this prejudice against and again that's speaking for myself obviously you know there there are so many people that are 
suffering from a lot of prejudice right now in this country. And it's not okay to just like, oh, like give folks time to change because, you know, like you said, like they're voting very much in a way that is harmful to those groups of people. It's not just uh, like, yeah. you know, catching eyes when you come into a store. Like it's, you know, it's serious, really serious for a lot of folks. And so like that's, I just want to make sure that it's really clear that my experience is, and how I deal with it is not indicative of how I might deal with seeing someone else experience that or yeah. how I think anyone should respond to, you know, experiencing prejudice. For sure, man. Well, that's, you know, it, it makes me think of how I am when people are rude to me versus when people are rude to other people, you know, or like if somebody was racist to another person and, you know, with me, like a white dude's not, can't be racist to me because I'm a white dude, you know, but like one thing that really like hits me to my core is when people are rude to people in the service industry, rude to people like cashiers, oh. rude to like wait staff, stuff like that. And yeah. it's one of those things that I just like, everyone's got equal opportunity to, to, to get it from me when like, I don't care if you're an 80 year old woman, I don't care if you're a 30 year old dude. <laughs> Like you can be rude to me at the gas pump, say, you know, say something stupid about my car or like whatever. But like, if you're in there talking shit to the, some, somebody who has a counter between you and them, then, you know, I'm not going to let that stand. And I think a lot of people get way too comfortable with how they treat other people because people allow it. And I know this yeah. just based on the reaction from some people when I've said things to them after, you know, <laughs> saying something to this poor, like 16 year old girl who's just trying to work her first job at the grocery store. Because, you know, she says, I don't know, it's her first interaction with a check, you know, and people still write with checks. And no, I think you're good, man. I think for most people, they tend to be, they tend to let more slide on themselves than other people. I would hope, you know, they speak up for other people when they don't speak up for themselves kind of thing. But I also know you probably have your limits as well. And, you know, you've got to walk yeah. a fine line because, you know, like you said, you're identifiable in your area. So you've got to you've got to walk this like um you know enemy of my enemy could be my friend kind of thing where you know you might not have the luxury of being overtly confrontational with somebody who's an asshole to you because uh they might follow you home and then you like what do you do you brought yeah. that to your family that's you know I saw a video the other day that makes me think of this stuff and I think most gun owners feel this way most responsible gun owners feel this way that once you start carrying a gun, you act more responsible because it's, you don't want, you don't want the smoke. That's like, you don't want that. Most gun owners don't want to be the guy that have to shoot somebody. And I mean, guy, yeah. like I saw this road rage incident the other day where it was actually the, I think the gun owner was the one being antag antagonistic. He was driving a red van and he cut off this other car and then the other car ended up cutting him off and blocking him. But then that, the people in that car got out and started trying to swing on the dude in the red van. So the red dude, the, the red dude, the guy in the red van shot one of the people who hit him. And while I think the dude in the van was initially wrong, these people felt comfortable enough to get out of their car and physically attack this dude in his car. And I think doing so is a direct result of like feeling comfortable being, being that way with people, you know, and without any repercussions. So like when you stand up and, you know, put your foot down for somebody else, that person experiences a humbling moment where they're like, all right, you know what? Maybe that should be an inside thought. Maybe that shouldn't be something I share with the world and try to make other people feel bad about, you know, maybe I shouldn't get out of my car and 
fight this dude. I got cut off once, and this dude was brake checking me and stopped at a stop sign and wouldn't go. Was waiting until I passed him. Like, no cars were around. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, I've got a gun on me. You know, this guy is acting like I don't have a gun on me and acting like I'm a, like a <laughs> totally sane person. Because that's, regardless of, like, I'm not making judgments to how with it you are. I treat everybody like they might have a gun on them. And I'm like, you know, that to me is like, I, I'm not going to go out of my way to be an asshole to someone because I don't know. I don't know if that's the day where they're like, they're going to be that dude from falling down <laughs> and he's going to pull a law out from his back back seat and shoot a rocket at my uh, car. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's so important when you bring into it. I mean, the context is everything, right? And so, like, like from my experience, you know, working alongside someone, <laughs> it gets super cute. Sorry, Andrew's um, bringing his baby up to the camera. <laughs> oh, good. I was, I was saying, like, like, it's so important to apply context that, like, there are instances where, like, apps, like, like for me, like, you know, working alongside someone at, you know, volunteering or like working like at a, a food drive at a church or something like odds are I don't see eye to eye with any of these people super well, but like we're working towards something good um, versus if I'm just like at a store and someone feels like they have something to say about, you know, how I look, then like that's a different matter entirely. Right. Um, you know, as far as like, like, like how I respond to it with, well, yes, like also like when whenever you do a uh, concealed carry like you are super aware of the fact that you are and that like you also have to like oh like well there's no reason to carry like i'm just use you know even if we get into like grappling or whatever but like if you've ever like done a class where it's like you know like the grappling like who can get to the gun first type deal like you'll know that like grappling with a gun in your belt like if the other person it. feels it or finds it like that's a fucking nightmare where you're no that's longer in control of when your gun comes out of your holster. Yeah, it's like when so the, that's the pin else. comes out of Mister Grenade, or the, when the pin comes out, Mister Grenade is no longer your friend. Same thing with your gun. Your gun, you might have <laughs> yeah. put four grand into that gun to make it yours, and somebody else's hands is not yours anymore. Yeah, and so like it's that mindset where like you don't even want something small to start because you know that this is a possibility now, and you want to do everything you can to avoid that. And so, yeah, and it does come it, down to, you know, obviously. So I was just going to say, isn't it so weird that, that we're like that, where it's like, you know, we'll be all confrontational until we start carrying a gun when, you know, when we're 21. And then all of a sudden we realize, like, you know, oh, man, I got to de-escalate. Like, why aren't we de-escalating? I used to be a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I used to be a piece of shit. <laughs> I used to be a piece of shit. Some sloppy steaks at Trafonis. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, why are we like this? Why are we like, now that I can kill someone, I must be calm. Like, why aren't we teaching, why aren't we taught, like, hey, be chill and de-escalate. Like, right because off the bat. it's that's on just, us. Well, because yeah. it's on us. Because we've got an upper hand and we don't, you know, because we're normal people, we don't ever want to have to shoot someone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we avoid, ex we avoid uh, situations that might escalate to that. I think most yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, I would tie that back to, I mean, something you were saying when it comes to dealing with, say, like, bigoted people, like, kind of making it clear, like, hey, like, maybe that's not a thing you should ever say out loud. That's and, an inside you know, like, thought, like, buddy. Like, like con con confronting them about it to where, like, they might realize, it, like, oh, like, maybe that's not something that I need to, like, you know, or maybe it's something that I need to think about. And it's, like, the first time that they've ever experienced consequences 
for that. Yeah. And I, and I think that's kind of the same mentality where like suddenly like there's like there's potential like serious consequences to getting in any sort of confrontation. And so like in the back of your mind, you know, like this is a potential consequence of even starting a verbal argument. And so like maybe yeah. we try and just like bring it down a little bit before we even, you know, if, if we do need to bring it up vocally, like we calm ourselves down a little bit before instigating something because we know like if we're not the ones escalating, we can't guarantee that the other person is going to either. Um, exactly. I'm so sorry for the trouble, yeah. sir, but would you care to stop disparaging my wife? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, yeah, I see. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Uh, anyway. Understandable. Have a nice day. Do people still talk like that, like in Britain? Me, I do. Some, I go like, very well. Actually, like that. that's how like the Queen talk, the, talked, because she's dead. Yeah, buddy! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. R.I.P. Bozo! I hate making fun of dead people because they can't defend themselves, but it's not like she ever did her defending by herself anyway. She always does. Yeah, did the Queen ever defend herself in real no, life? No, she I don't didn't. Know. She just threw food at poor black people in Africa. God, what a fucking asshole. Sorry. <laughs> You're killing me. This is turning into a queen disparaging podcast. Anyway, well, I think what you said, it's like exposure. You know, you some of these people have never been around somebody who's called them on their shit. And when so perfect example of this, I recently had a family member who came up last week, spent four days with us, and we are on opposite ends of the Palestine and Israel conflict. And I, when I say opposite, I say, like, I have a nuanced perspective. And he's like, no, like, any he, he's like the quote from Platoon, or I'm sorry, Full Metal Jacket, where they're in the helicopter and the guy's like, anybody who runs is VC. Anybody who stands still is a well-disciplined VC. He's like, well, if <laughs> I Hamas stopped hiding like... people in their hospitals, we wouldn't bomb hospitals. If Hamas stopped hiding uh, in, in you, you know, children, like, we'd like stop bombing children. When you do that? What? Is that like a is that like a caricature that you're doing, or is no. that really his voice? Who's the person you're talking about? With the talking about the VC, you're like no, you're like if they wouldn't, I, I can't. Even oh no, it's just a caricature. It's just yeah, a okay. yeah. I don't. It's not <laughs> how he talks. But we talked about it over cigars and whiskey, and I was realizing that as a as he was listening to my point of view on it, all I said was like, hey. Like, it's pretty fucked up, though, that Israel's killed, like, 15,000 civilians. Like, that's pretty bad, right? And Half I could tell time. he had never even thought about that. Like, that yeah. was so yeah. far from his point of view. And so what I mean is, like, you don't know why somebody believes what they believe. They Sure, they could have a shit belief, but it could be because they've never heard anybody oppose that belief. And yeah, that's no one's all they've been... Them. And, you know, and he even yeah. said, which was, I was super proud of him, to be honest, afterwards, because he was like, you know, I've never, I've ne I really appreciate these talks because I've never thought about it this way before. And I was like, damn, this is some mental growth compared to, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the, we the got rest him. of my relationship with you. But uh, <laughs> it's exposure is great. And I, and I think when you do talk, when you, when you talk about your beliefs with people who have different beliefs, they get exposed to it. You get exposed to it, all that fun stuff. And I think, oh. It's almost like a. Uh, it, it's almost like we have a duty to do so because otherwise ignorance flourishes, and you know, without yeah. opposing viewpoints, that's why I like people sit in front of Fox News all day or sit in front of even MSNBC. You know, MSNBC is guilty in its own way on the other end of the spectrum or whatever. But a Huffington Post. Whenever somebody sends me a Huffington Post article, I'm like, please tell me you didn't search this. Like it was sent to you, right? 
But uh, like you yeah. don't subscribe to this, right? You like, don't subs- come yeah, to like your they didn't email. send this to you, right? Like they, were, they didn't send it to your email. But anyway, Breitbart links for my dad. I'm like, fuck off, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sucks because like any kind of I, I get a lot of Breitbart links about gun the gun stuff because gun stuff is a primarily conservative topic. Yeah, isn't it weird how it's like when it's well, I don't even want to I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that I I know that voice. I don't want to start that. <laughs> well, Tyler, this is a... <laughs> Andrew's currently fighting off his child right now, who's trying to pull the headphones off of his head by uh, pulling on the wires. It's adorable. Tyler, this was a great episode, man. I uh, I don't know how long we've been going because my timestamp restarted when I one hour was kicked. fifty minutes forty eight. Oh. Perfect. So 50, good. 51. Shut up, Andrew. Shut up. No, don't shut up. I'm so sorry. We were talking last episode about how I feel bad when I'm mean to him. Like, I want to break his balls more often. Like, it's funny to do so, like, when we fuck with each other, but I feel bad immediately afterwards because it's not the foundation of our relationship. Anyway, maybe I'm just a nice guy. Whatever. I can be an asshole. I promise. My wife's like, you literally don't have a mean bone in your body. The only mean bone you have in your body is when I'm Don't say fucking it. you in the ass. Oh my god. <laughs> what does that even mean? I'm so sorry. I'm what so does sorry. that even mean? I'm You're so holding. I'm the... so sorry. I'm so sorry, Tyler. I'm sorry you had to hear that. <laughs> I don't. I didn't know how to react. I don't know if you're talking. If you're imitating me talking to my wife, or if you're <laughs> no, talking to me. No, that was me to you, dude. I wouldn't say that. I, I was like, that's that incredibly inappropriate, Andrew. I would not even hypothetically say that to your wife, pretending I was speaking as you. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. That was <laughs> like, strictly, wow, Andrew. That's a line. No, that... I wouldn't cross that barrier. That was strictly okay. me, Andrew, to you. Oh, oh he doesn't oh. like it. He doesn't like the joke. <laughs> Oh, All right, hit the mute button. I want to hear your baby cry. You don't want to hear this? <laughs> you don't want to hear this sweet action? He's so sweet. I love him. Anyway, I'm trying to thank Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. There, I did it. Thank you for coming on, man. This was an awesome episode. You know, like all of our episodes, all bangers. I, th- I think it's got to be something about the people we invite on. It's, uh, you know, they they all happen to be really cool. And, you know, so far we haven't had any assholes on. So it's been a win. I'm thankful not to fall into the uh, the assholes category, but yeah, I mean, you, you guys have better than that. such great episodes. Because, like, like you like y'all have such great episodes because you bring in so many different people from so many different perspectives and viewpoints, and have you know good discussions that have so many you know different perspectives on all these topics, as opposed to kind of having just the same perspective on the same topics. Like, yeah. a lot of podcasts that don't need to exist, but yours is an yeah. essential listening, if you ask me. And I'm thrilled and honored to have been a part of it. Um, yeah, super fun chatting with you guys. Yeah, no, we had a blast, man. I'm sorry we. Uh, I'm sorry I napped through the first 15 minutes of, of <laughs> when we were This is an start. unusually chaotic episode. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, dude, he's oh my god! Oh my god! He's so sleepy. Oh man! Say that's that's. I need to. That's prepping that's in your for me future, because, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's future. a prep yeah, for you. Listen to this for twenty minutes. That's that's just a few months away. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta change his diaper. Change bottle. his diaper, Andrew. <laughs> I gotta do all that. Just <laughs> oh baby. Oh, all right. No, there. I think he's sad because he doesn't come in this room very often, and he's kind of confused. The mute came at the Poor perfect buddy. time right there. I know. I feel so just bad. He's such a sweet little yeah. dude. 
Well, Tyler, you know how we end our episodes then. We have to ask you for a piece of life advice that you want to share with our listeners. And it doesn't have to be gun-related. It doesn't have to be prepping-related. But it can be both or either. But what piece of advice would you like people to know? I'll say this does tie into both. It's a, a rehashing of an old uh, old quote that had a negative connotation to it. But uh, it's the idea that it's rule 303. Those with the means have, the, have a responsibility to act. Initially, that was used pretty negatively, but I think now, like looking at it, like if you're someone who is into prepping, if you're someone who has the means to, you know, prep substantially, when things go bad, like you have a responsibility to help the people around you, especially the people who do not have the means to, you know, you know f- all the people who are just barely making it as it is. If you are someone who has excess, who has the means to help others, like you have a responsibility to when shit hits the fan. And that can be a snowstorm. It can be, you know, passing a vehicle accident. Like, that's really my motivation when it comes to learning all these skills, when it comes to acquiring this knowledge and tools and sharing it, is that I want to have the means available to act when someone else needs help. And whatever form that comes in, whatever form I'm able to assist in, like, I I view that as a responsibility. Not like I'm, like, this chivalrous individual who's out on the road helping others, like, this should, that, that should be the norm. Like if you're able, if you have excess, which a lot of folks do, it's up to you to help people who don't. And there's a lot of those folks around us who need a helping hand day to day, not just when, you know, shit goes wrong. I love that, man. Hell yeah, think. brother. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I legitimately love that. I think that's so true. I think it goes beyond... I think it goes beyond, you know, like the realm of like law or whatever. And it's just like, it's just like morality, you know, it's just like, it's just like, it's just like nature, you know, like, we, like you sound like you just took an edible. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, so much, dude. It's like morality. It's like morality, bro. Oh, my baby. It's morality. Well, like, I think in a world no, where I, morals are. I think of- it's. I think that's like the basis of society, right? I think that sometimes people Agreed. forget that, but that's what we do when we build a society is we're uplifting each other. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I'm just watching a little dude bounce on you. I'm like, he's like walking a line right he now. Wants his, he I get wants it. his mama. Yeah, you know, I, I could not agree with you more, Tyler. That's, uh, and Andrew, I think in a world where morals are subjective, I think it sucks to say that, but you know, some people just have different beliefs and don't believe that wouldn't agree with you there that yeah. you know, we have a duty to help other people. And I, uh, you know, I'm my a, responsibilities I, I, to myself, my family and my robot sex doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. From Elon Musk. Uh, you know, you know, that's happening soon, <laughs> but, uh, I digress. Yeah, thank you, man. That uh, that that is a sage piece of wisdom there, and uh, I could not agree with you more. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks you guys again for having me on. Yeah, thank Super you for coming on, being a guest. Thrilled to. Yeah. Yeah, talking about all this stuff and being cool and super yeah. chill about me sleeping through <sighs> your uh, through the, uh, the appointment, and uh, you know that's why I don't take naps because when I take naps, things go wrong. I don't have the self-discipline to be like, well, the problem is I didn't set a timer. Yeah. It's like, I'll nap for an hour. Dude, There's I'm no a way professional I'm nap for napper. two and a half Listen, hours. I'm not no. a professional napper. No, I can, I can legitimately nap Same. in like 15 minutes and be like refreshed. What I'll do is I'll hit nope. the caffeine. I, I get 50 yeah. milligrams. I'll go straight to sleep because I got sleep hygiene, but I can go to sleep as soon as I hit the pillow. Oh, and I will man. be up in 15 minutes ready to fucking go. 
when the caffeine hits, it wakes you yeah. up. Oh yeah. Man. Yeah, see, I really want I don't know why oh, I Oh buddy. Oh buddy. Well <laughs> Yeah, that's in your future, man. Soon. Yeah. Honestly, are you excited? <laughs> yeah, we're just over the moon. Yeah, super excited. Really thrilled to to meet him. And I mean, obviously there's gonna be a a lot of hardship, a lot of lost sleep, a lot of tiredness, but like just thrilled, I mean, beyond belief at like just the idea of like getting to know him as he develops into a person, you know, yeah. as he, you know, develops into a little kid and a little personality, his own little voice. Like, we're just so, so excited to be with him every step of the way and, you know, do everything we can to, you know, be good parents. And obviously, we're reading all of the latest books, and I'm sure oh, in 20 dude, years we'll learn that they're all wrong. And, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if there's one piece of but advice yeah. I can give you, man, it is listen to everybody, but do what's best for you. You know, everybody's going to yeah. want to give you advice and everybody's going to want to tell you how what worked for them. And they might be right about something. Some things might work for you guys also, but you won't know until you do it. And you don't know you like you. You don't know your wife like she does and like you guys know each other. Do what's best for you. You know, Andrew and I have different parenting styles, like, or different, we've got like different aspects of parent life that we do differently. And, you know, what works for him, what works for me, what works, there's no way to say this without sounding judgy. And I'm not judging. <laughs> but, like, no, I, I truly I, believe that. Like, I totally get that. Guys, Andrew, okay. I was just judging you. We can finish in your the episode. Style. I'm just kidding. No, I was saying if one piece of advice to, that I'd give to him is listen to everybody, but do what works for you. And I was just saying, like, yes. you and I, like, you guys co-sleep, we don't, but like I would never say like co-sleeping is wrong because it works for, sure. for you guys. And like, but people will, people will tell you, people will tell yeah. you, people like, give you the what side eye, like bullshit. Weird... Uh, whatever it is that you're doing, they got some idea, and they're like, no, this book, this scientist, this whatever, you know, the doctor says this, that, the other thing. That's... Oh, and Andrew hates so like, doctors. No, I don't hate doctors. No, no, uh, I don't hate doctors. <laughs> I am skeptical of what uh, pediatricians will say about parenting practices, not about medicine, because they know about medicine. They know how to treat your kid when they're sick, but when they try to give you parenting advice, it's all based on statistics and liability and, and things like that. For example, the co-sleeping thing. So co-sleeping will increase, measurably, will increase your kid's risk of like suddenly dying in the night for a number of reasons. But the if you look at like, the chance in whatever the like the percentage chance that it increases from not co-sleeping to co-sleeping it's less than the chance that like you'll be struck by lightning well it's right? also like equivalent <laughs> to like when people say well the chances of you getting shot increase when you have a gun in the home like uh, sure of course that means for this then reason when you break, like, but when you break this <laughs> when you break that number down that percentage increase the vast majority of the cases that are of deaths associated with co-sleeping uh involve drugs or alcohol so like yes. there's like lots of these little things if you can pick apart you can understand like why things yeah. are happening, but the advice you'll get from a pediatrician is just don't do it. But they won't tell you not to get in the car with your pregnant wife. Yeah. <laughs> they won't yeah, yeah. Oh, to I know. get into a car because that you know, makes even sense. Though, and, like you have to get right. in your car eventually and stuff. Right. Yeah. But so so, so if what you we're have saying to get is your kid yeah. to sleep and the only way to do it is to co-sleep. Understand that there's risks. You know, there's ways to mitigate that risk and don't let people make you feel like shit for getting your kid to sleep. However, you have to do it. Yeah. You I would know, never thing, make Andrew like feel that. like I'll find other reasons to make Andrew feel like shit. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love it when you make me feel like shit. Uh, yeah, we already had that chat uh, where my wife was kind of just like, you know, we're like, I mean, we're still like several months away, and it's like, I think I'm kind of done like with people telling us what we're going to be doing with our kid. Yeah, <laughs> dude, you know, it's, like, yeah, like the, it sucks. It's so just annoying. like the day to day stuff, the big yeah. stuff, like all the different things. Like we have a pretty good idea of how we want to raise our kid, and like, sure, getting advice from, I mean, just everyone. Obviously, everyone offers advice without being asked and like i said like like yes like we're not gonna be rude and be like like don't talk to us about that but like cool like hear it put your fingers right. in your ears we are gonna do our, our thing yeah exactly yeah yeah dude you know we were and, and things change also we were fully on board with like breastfeeding all the way my wife was like yeah no i'm absolutely gonna do like i'm gonna breastfeed i'm going to pump like when i'm not breastfeeding and stuff like that and then you have a kid and she's exhausted and the last yeah. thing she wants to oh, do yeah. when she's not breastfeeding is like whip out this vacuum yeah, cleaner that sure. sucks on her nipples and <laughs> be confined to the couch and stuff oh my god you'll hear in the hospital they'll say breast is best in the hospital breast is best which it is and but they'll send it, it which it is and they'll send in a lactation reasons. consultant that if you're not breastfeeding if, if he's if the baby's not latching they're like oh mama what are you doing wrong uh, and they'll make your wife feel like shit. And then it'll turn out he's got a fucking tongue and a lip tie uh, that yeah. they didn't identify. And breastfeeding was never going to work until it was corrected. Carly you fell. Know. Fuck, I said her name. She uh, we try not to say her wives and family members names, but yeah, she fell asleep with the baby on her in the hospital. But the way that the baby fell asleep was on on her back. Oh, uh, they are, they'll act dude, they if that happens to you and they catch you, they're like, you're going to kill that baby. Was like, you can't do this. And I was like, whoa, like we, yeah. the baby <laughs> fell asleep. But it's a liability thing yes, because, you know, you can drop, because you can drop the baby, can roll off, especially if you've had uh, medical interventions during birth, uh, reflexes can be sort of, you know, not 100% there. So, yeah, I mean, it, there there is a danger there. But because of their perspective and what they see and the horrors that they see in the hospital every day, they're going to have an outsized reaction that isn't necessarily appropriate to your situation. Yep. And, so and in a nutshell, it's do what's best for you. It's, and it's not just medical people. Other parents will do that same thing. People are going to do that yeah. across oh, the yeah. board, and you just have to kind of, like you said, you just kind of be polite, like, oh, yeah, okay, and then just kind of, are you guys? Do I think is best. Are you guys close to your parents? Uh, well, her parents live like on the property here with us, so proximity, awesome. yes. And in general, yeah. Awesome, but uh, not my awesome mom's a few at the hours same time. away. <laughs> no, I don't know um, what you, how they. I mean, it, it, it is awesome. I mean, there's definitely like built-in childcare is yeah. just here, um, which is great. And I'm very close with my mom, not by proximity, but just like in general. But there's definitely that thing where you know with. You know, I'm sure every generation goes through this with the previous generation where like all this all the new stuff that we want to do is somehow like indicating that they messed up. Oh you my know, god. You know I mean? <laughs> this um, is a whole and, other podcast episode that we could have. <laughs> <laughs> but like like that's probably like the only like big thing when it comes to like parents, like I mean they're pretty good about this, like respecting like, you know, we have the way that we want to raise our kid and I'm sure we'll have to have some talks at some point about certain things, yeah. but like in general, like, yeah, they're going to be very supportive. They're all in, almost as excited as we are, That's if not awesome. more so and sometimes, but yeah, they're, they're we recently uh, had to, uh, had to explore the, we had to set boundaries with a parent 
that yeah is like ba- i was all, about to say boundaries like yeah which is not something that with boundaries yeah it's not something you think about doing you're like all right yeah we're gonna take this as it goes and then you know all through best intentions uh was just creating chaos in our lives and through mo- yeah. like my re- our real our relationship was suffering between the two of us not my wife and I, myself and the parent, uh, without realizing it, like I was becoming resentful. Things like, you know, and my wife was like, look at you, like, you're not you when you're hungry. You're not you when they're around. It was like that. And uh, yeah, much better now. But like, that's, you know, that's one of those things that it's great. You know, I would never want it any other way. You know, as, it's just, as, it's so but, important for everyone, for you and for everyone you need to set a boundary with to keep in mind that a boundary is not an exclusion. It's an invitation. If you're setting a boundary with somebody, it means you want them around. You just, you need them to do this and able to, in order to do it, you know, because if you didn't want them around, you just wouldn't have them around. So the, you know, if they get offended, just remind them, you know, like the reason that I'm setting this boundary is because I want you here. Like, I just, I have to have this rule. Yeah. Yeah. I love how these go into these, uh, like when we find somebody who's going to be a new parent or is a parent, we're like, dad podcast, dad podcast, dad podcast, let's go. I like how we're like, don't listen to anybody, trust your intuition. Also, here's a shit ton of advice. (laughs) Peace. (laughs) We'll leave you with that. Yeah. Yeah, now, this is exactly what happens, though. We say goodbye, we do our advice and all that stuff, and then we end up talking for another 20 minutes. So, out of respect for your time, though, I will, uh, we will cut you loose, man. My long-neglected wife. (laughs) <laughs> at work, but I, I got a text from my my boss saying that I, I I can come in for a couple hours of overtime, so I'm gonna start doing housework and get getting ready for that. Oh hell yeah, buddy! Making money, but from the man, nice. dude. My man is like the man that I make <laughs> money from is is even worse because it's the government. That's a dumb man. It's a municipal government, but it's still the government. Anyway, I love my job. That's another. Let <laughs> me get on my. Nothing house. wrong with firefighters. No, well, we're people. We are people. That's like one of those things that I love talking about people in the military. Like as somebody in the military, like what's a hard pill for people to swallow? Not everybody in the military is a hero or even a good person. Well, it goes for every job. <laughs> he says with two <laughs> thumbs pointing at himself. I'm just kidding. You're the first person. I'm just playing. Listen, I'm just playing. I haven't rescued any puppies. You're my hero, though. Thank you, buddy. You're my hero. You saved me from a life of obscurity and brought me into niche internet <laughs> micro celebrity star. Man, I love niche <laughs> micro celebrity fandom. It's the best kind of niche fandom. I like it because I talk oh. to all of my fans. Every yeah. one of them. Every. It's so easy because there's six. <laughs> oh man, there's there's well the, the great thing about this is because there are so many more than six there are at least six people out there listening to this right now going that's me that's me yes <laughs> because we talked to we tried to talk to everybody and we love them anyway tyler on that note so glad that we were actually able to have you finally come on after our like loose attempts at trying to schedule something and I want you to know that I was hounding Andrew. I was like, let's figure out a fucking time. We've had a very, December's a busy month for everybody. And we got family shit going on. Yeah. Holidays on that note, I do have to skew the second. Andrew, do you have like 10 more minutes? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tyler, thank you so much, man. We'll let you go. And uh, we'll let Andrew go. And I'm the only one who doesn't have a life right now. <laughs> no, you got to go make that overtime money. Yeah, buddy. Go, go get paid. Tea, baby. See make you that overtime, bud. Thank you so much again, Andrew, Tyler and Andrew. You're great, too.